Good to see everybody on this holiday weekend. All right, we are almost done with our study of this Old Testament book, Habakkuk. It's only three chapters, taking us, going to take us six weeks. I'm going to finish chapter two today, and then chapter three next week, and then we're going to move on to other things. But what has God said to us? What does He want us to know? You read the Word, and it's revelation. What does He want us to know from the book? And there are lots of things, two main things in the middle here that come off the page that we've been dealing with. First one last week was God will discipline those who are his. I think we covered that pretty thoroughly. God will not be mocked. You can't run around, you can't claim Christ, run around, do whatever you want, and then expect him to not step in and do something about it. So that was there. And then today, if you're not, so if you're outside of faith, you don't really care about this. It's not that you're anti-God or an, you're not working against him. You're just busy and you don't, he's just not really a big deal. You believe that he probably is there but doesn't really have anything to do with your life and you're just doing your thing. That's fine. But you need to know though that there is a day coming where everyone will get according to what they've done or not done here in the, on, on the planet. Judgment is coming. It's just what it is. I didn't, I didn't get to pick my chapters this time. Usually I get to pick my chapters in the book and then I can kind of work around it, but it just doesn't happen that way anymore. So like, you, get chapter, you get chapter two. <laughs> All right then. Um, yeah. So I quoted it last week but I didn't mention it. But if there was a theme song to chapter two, it would be that song that Johnny Cash covered. Sooner or later, God is gonna cut you down. If you, if you read the lyrics of the song, if you go through what is the message of the song, it lines up almost identical with, it's as if you're reading chapter two. Go tell the long-tongued liar, the midnight Rider. I don't know what a midnight rider is, but it's probably not good. The rambler, the gambler, and the backbiter, sooner or later, God's going to cut you down. You can throw a stone and hide your hand. You can work in dark against your fellow man, but as sure as God made black and white, what's done in the dark will be brought to the light. And then, you know, God's going to cut you down. So that's like reading chapter two. That's how happy it is. So it's not happy today. But maybe life-saving. If it's real, if there is a day coming where everything, where the scales will be balanced, we ought to talk about that day. And we ought to be ready for that day. The, my idea for this as I've gone through is I want to make sure that we're aware and ready for that day because he said that it is coming. So here's where we're, as we roll into chapter two, here's the issue. This Habakkuk is a prophet. He talks to God and he's upset with God because God has decided to discipline his people with a bitter and hasty nation, the Chaldeans. And Habakkuk's upset about it because he says, you can't use terrible to discipline bad. We're bad. We deserve something, but they're awful. And you can't use them to do that. It doesn't make sense. You said you can't even look at evil. How does that work? So I will, 
I will take my stand on my watchtower, he says, and I will wait and see how you will answer me. And God says, well, I can do whatever I want. But just because I do that doesn't mean that they won't get theirs. As a matter of fact, I want you to write it down. So it starts. Here's, here's chapter 2. God gives him a vision of what he's going to do to this bitter and hasty nation. And he wants, you, he wants him to write it down. And he actually wants that message run to them. Here's what he says. And the Lord answered me. Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. So I'll stop right there. That sounds like what I'm going to write is so scary that whoever reads it one's going to want to run away. And I don't think it means that necessarily. It most likely means this. I want you to write it down and make it plain so that a herald, H-E herald, not H-A, Someone can take it and run it to them because I want them to know. Is God good? We just sang he was. She just asked you to think about it and then re-sing it. He says he's going to do something, but he's not doing it in the dark. He said, I want you to write it down, make it plain that he who runs may take it. And he's, they, will, they will have it so that they can know. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. So he says, listen, I understand you're upset. That if it seems like the bad guys are winning, that the good guys aren't, that I'm watching the whole thing, that I'm sitting idly by, and you think I don't see it or I don't care, but none of that is true. I do, and I'm keeping track of all of it. And there is a day coming where it's all going to be set right, but you, for now, need to be patient. Side point. I wonder if, if you were wrestling with God about something, if you were, if you, anybody in disagreement with God right now about something, I strenuously object. I wonder if maybe the objection falls along the lines of when he will do it, not what he will do. I believe most of our disappointment, that's a big statement, but a lot of our disappointment with God, if it does exist, I don't know if you're disappointed with him or not. But if you are, a lot of what you're disappointed about is not necessarily what he has decided to do, it's when he has decided to do it. And if we could just grab that one little piece in there that said, be patient, maybe our disagreement with him would dissolve somewhat. So be patient. You've heard me say this probably a hundred times. God is not in a hurry. And when we are, it's just, it's going to go the other way. So be patient. He tells him, I want you to write down the vision. The vision has five woes in it, followed by one day. So we'll go through the woes, and then we'll get to the day. The woes begin like this. I want you to tell him this. Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own, which is what this bitter and hasty nation did. The speed of their horses is well documented, is it not? How many times have you heard just in the last five weeks, they have fast horses. They rode those fast horses in 
Like whenever they, if someone had something that they wanted, they just rode over and took it. And they didn't care about what that cost them. They didn't care how they felt. They just wanted it. They went and got it and they took it. That's going to work against them. Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house. Do you know what they did with all that stuff they took from other people? <laughs> they took it home and they like made their places fantastic. 600 years before Christ, Babylon, the Chaldeans, it was the most magnificent city in the world, financed by other people's stuff. They built magnificent walls of stone. They had fantastic homes of cedar. You know what God says? The stone in the wall will testify against you, and the beam in the house will testify against you, and their testimony against you is, you're a thief, and I, in the end, will listen to the testimony of the stone and the wood. You're guilty. God said, you set your nest on high because you think it will protect you, and they did. Their nest was fantastic. It will do nothing for you. As a matter of fact, it will work against you in the end. Woe to him who gets evil gain. Woe to him who builds a town with blood. That goes with the first two. They killed people to get their stuff. Woe to him who makes his neighbor drink. The rest of it says, so you can gaze on their nakedness. It just means this. You dishonored people. Your whole existence, you dishonored people. You were selfish and self-indulgent, and that caused you to treat people in a way that was dishonorable, that was less. You put people to shame. Everywhere you went and the things you did, you shamed people. And I'm saving up every drop for you. You've glorified yourself to the shame of others. That is going to switch. Woe to him. Woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake to a silent stone, arise. They were an idolatrous nation. They had all kinds of gods they carved them out of wood and different things i just i was curious what sort of things did they pray to so i just googled it you know, ancient gods of the babylonian empire the chaldeans this is what came up right away it's the sun god chasing a chaos monster that's what that's what the caption is can you imagine every day the sun god's over here the chaos monster's there i guess they carved them out of wood can you imagine every day getting up praying to the sun to chase away chaos That's what they did. I don't think the issue is so much that. The issue is they worshiped everything but the one true God. And that was going to work against them. Five woes followed by, okay, you did this, but one day this is going to happen. The one day. That's, and this is what he wants the prophet to focus on. I know you see it, and it's all going the other way. And it is going the other way for a while, but one day, there will be a day, and I want you to write about that day, and I want you to focus on that day, because that's what's going to keep you in the midst of these days. So here's the day. He describes the day in two separate verses, 14 and 16. 14 is softer. We'll go with that one first. Okay, all that's true, but there's a day coming when the glory, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, I like that. To know that the Lord is to be glorified. To know that the Lord is glorious. To know that the Lord is all that there ever will be. That he's the center of everything and he's over everything. The knowledge of that is coming. 
The whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as water covers the sea. So there's going to be a day when every person in this hasty and bitter nation will know that the God of Israel, the God of Jacob and Abraham, the God that set my people go, let my people go, the God that parted the sea, like all these stories existed about these people that, that that God really was the only, the only true God and everything else that they trusted in was false. In my notes, I said it this way, that there's, there's going to be a, a smack day. I didn't know how else to say it. But that smack day is coming where it's like, oh no. It really, it really was real. There's lots of smack days actually recorded in the word where people had nothing to do with God and then there was one day, one moment, one big thing. It was like, oh, he was real. I was wrong. And I want you to see how, I want you to see how the turn, it was that sharp. It was just like that, like, oh no. Because it was right in front of them. The one I chose was, it's from 1 Kings. There was a prophet, his name is Elijah, and there were some other prophets of false gods, and he decided to host a prove it day. Let's prove it. Here, here's, the, here's the competition. We'll set a cow out here on some stone, and then you pray, I'll pray, and then whoever's, whichever God will light that cow on fire, they win. Deal. So it plays out, and they start, you, you go first. So they go, and they dance, and they pray, and they sing, and they cut themselves, and nothing happens. It gets late on into the day, and, he, and, he, and Elijah's like, maybe he's in the bathroom. And it's actually in the Bible. He says that, maybe he's in the bathroom. And nothing happens, and then he's like, you guys done? All right, it's my turn. He said, I want you to douse it with water. They did. There's so much water, it was like floating. There was a moat around it. And he said, do it again, do it again, three times. And then praise this simple little prayer. Oh God, light it up. Boom. And it's actually recorded in there. The whole of them, all of them said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. They knew instantly we were terribly wrong. Knowledge of the glory of the Lord is coming. And everyone will hold that knowledge that there was only ever one. That's the good part. <laughs> and here's the second description of that day. And he will repay. He's the God. He's the only one. He's over everything. And this Lord will repay. He has a cup in his right hand. And that cup is coming around to you. And anytime you read about a cup in the Lord's right hand, get out of the way because it always has in it wrath. You can run on for a long time, but sooner or later, the cup is coming. And it did. 120 years after Habakkuk wrote this down, God used Xerxes. Can God use whoever he wants to use, however he wants to use them? Yeah. He was a ruler over the Medes and the Persians, and he came in and he absolutely decimated, wiped out Babylon. Everything they did 
to everybody else was done to them and then some. And it was so bad, the annihilation was so bad that the king, after the king that wiped them out, Alex the Great, was going to rebuild them, started to, and died along the way. I think it's because God prophesied it will never be rebuilt. And it's written, in the kingdom, after the kingdom that wiped them out, Babylon remained a meadow. Did he tell them? Did he tell them? Write it down on tablets. Make it plain. Put it in some runner's hands. Let them read it and run, because I want them to know. And they had it. It was just too slow in coming. Like it just lingered on. They just didn't ever think that that day would come. They ignored all of what he had to say until the day when it really did happen. And that was a terrible, terrible day. And on that day, it was too late. That's chapter two. <laughs> Let's sing. <laughs> okay. What can we learn? A lot, I think, from this description that we just heard, a lot. Now, here's what, I, here's what I'm not gonna do. I'm not gonna take the next whatever to try to convince you that you're Babylon. Because that's kind of the usual deal. Let's go to the woes, and if I can go to the woes and I can break down their woes, hey, that's you. Have you stole? Do you steal? I mean, you didn't build a town by blood. I know that. Like, could I make a case that you are, you worship creation instead of creator? I could. But I don't want to take the time to try to convince you of how you sin. That's one way to go about it. But I want to simplify it this way. What we just read was God had a message for some people. He told somebody to write it down and run it to them. The message was about them primarily and their mess. It included aspects of him and who he was and what he was going to do. And with that message, they did nothing. And in the end, it was horrible for them. We are a group of people that God has sent a message to, has he not? We have a God who has a message for us. And he had that message, make it plain on tablets, write it down and run it to him. And that message has to do with him and who he is and us, and who we are, and the tumult that exists, and the things that are going on, some things that God has done, and some things that will happen. And the day, just like the day that we read about, like there's a day coming for us too, where the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will be known by everyone in this room, all of us. And the same is true too, I believe, with the cup. That day is coming. I just want to make sure that we're ready. Has God written anything down for you and run it to you about him, you, and what might happen? 
Do you have any knowledge of that? Well, sure. That's what we're doing now. I'm practically a runner. I'm one of them. You can actually run it to yourself if you want to. It's called reading your Bible. You can be your own runner. That's a, that should, I should have titled it that today. You can, you can do it. Hey, we sit underneath the God who has a message for us and he cared enough to write it down. And that message to us that's been run to us includes who he is and who we are and what's going on and what might happen. And here's, here's the deal. What have you done with it? I mean, maybe you really are like Babylon. Maybe you believe, maybe you don't believe it at all or that it'll never happen or you don't care. But part of the message is there is a day coming there's a day of reckoning coming where everyone will get according to what he's done or not done. I just want us to be ready. And on that day, everyone in here, myself included, will know for sure that everything God had to say in his message that's been run to us was true. All that creator of heaven and earth stuff, true. There's a day coming where we're going to know, we're going to find out he really did hang the stars. And we're going to figure out how long it took him and all that kind of stuff. And finally, that debate's going to be silenced. It's just going to be over. And brilliant people who refused for years, they refused to believe that there could actually be a designer of the universe are going to say on that day, I was wrong. I thought it was a fairy tale. I thought it was all made up, but there he is and it's true. And he just told me how he did it. I'll just grab a passage from the New Testament. Right now we see as a poor reflection in a mirror. Is your picture of God and who he is clear? Uh. It's what we try to do, but then I shall see face to. Will there be any doubt? And if there is, you can just ask him. It's coming. It's coming. All that Adam and Eve stuff, true. When we start in about the garden, do you roll your eyes? Fruit, naked people, God, I don't get it. What does this have to do with me? He's just telling you, this is what he's telling. Here's his message. It was good, and then it wasn't. You're a rebel. That, here's the garden. You're a rebel. You've rebelled against me. And sin separates. How many times have you heard sin separates? It's possible to hear it so many times. You go, I know. Whatever. Wake up. Hey, wake up. What he has run to us is this. Your sin separates you and I. We're apart. And, and, this is all for the, and there's a consequence for your sin and the consequence is death. The wages of sin is death. Is the wages of sin death? Is that part of the vision he's given us? Is that part of what he's run to us? Well, sure it is. First time we... First time we see this in the garden, we get that message, that preacher gets up and preaches that message about the poor animal, the first animal that died in the Old Testament because God needed his skin to cover over their nakedness. 
right? And you're like, what does this have to do with me? Why are we talking? He's just telling you, this is what he's telling you, sin has a price. Sin has a price. I killed the animal. Something had to die to cover over the mess that was sin. He's just letting us know. I mean, you, you, can, you can not like the runner. <laughs> you can get sick of the runner like, we got it, we know, but it's just right there for you. He says there will be no excuses, Romans chapter 1. I'll just read it. His invisible, at- let me just say it this way, kind of the first one. My invisible attributes, namely my eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that I have made, so that you are without a no one. This is what he says. You can't say you didn't know that I did it all. Get up in the morning and look around. It didn't just happen. What else has he told us? What else does he want us to know? That he's good. How many times have you heard he's good? A lot. Able to bless obedience for, this is what he says about himself. I am able and willing to bless obedience to a thousand generations. I am slow to anger. I am abounding in steadfast love. My faithfulness, here's the key, my faithfulness to what I have said, my faithfulness never runs out. What's the best thing he ever did? The best thing he ever did was to give us a way out of our sin. If we're stuck, the best thing he ever did is that Make a way out. This is part of the message that he wanted clear on tablets, run to us. Listen, I'll make you a deal. Or you could say it this way, a covenant. I'll make, you, I'll make you a deal. Sin has a price, and the price for sin is death. You'll pay it, or I'll let someone else pay it. For a seat, it doesn't matter, but someone's paying because God is holy and just. Is he lovely? Does he make rainbows? Yes, but he is holy and just. Someone will pay. So for a season, I will allow an animal to pay. That's the whole Old Testament. I know you, it rolls back. You're like, we take a bull to the temple, we kill it. We take a goat to the temple, we kill it. We take a bird. And like, why? Why bulls, goats, and birds? Depends on what you did. Big sin, bring a bull. Little sin, bring a bird. What is he trying to tell us through the whole Old Testament? Your sin has a price. All of it, of course, leading up to who? Jesus, when he bursts on the scene in the ministry, what do they call him? Behold the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. Why do we call Jesus a lamb? So we get it. Because he knows we're thick-headed. We just read 595 pages about 
lambs dying. And then we're going to call, and that, that lamb dying was for our sin. And like, hey, Jesus is a lamb. Oh, you mean it's him now? Yes. It's him now. What's the primary thing this lamb came to do? You know all kinds of, was he the, was he the perfect son of God? Absolutely. What's the primary thing he came to do? He came to die on the cross. Did he heal the sick? Did he preach fantastic messages? Did he drive out demons? Did he walk on water? Did he calm the storm? Yep, he did all that. What's the primary thing he came to do? Die. Why? Why is the primary thing that this lamb of God came to do? Die. Why? Because the cup is real. Someone got to deal with the cup. What does he pray in the garden before he goes to the cross? Oh Lord, if this cup could pass over me, I would really appreciate it. But if not, let me have it. Did God let him have it? So it says, he is a propitiation of our sins. Do you know what that means? It says it repeatedly. Jesus Christ, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Son of God, the perfect Son of God was the propitiation of our sins, which simply means this. He satisfied God's anger towards sin. Jesus satisfied once and for all God's anger towards sin. What does he say after he's received the cup? Right before he dies, what does he say? It is finished. Everything God had towards sin, he dumped out on him and he took it so that there isn't anything left for us, potentially, potentially. It's different than the Old Testament. It's different. The deals are different. The covenants are different. The old deal was bring a bull, we'll kill it, good for a year. Bring a goat, we'll kill it, good for a year. Bring a bird, good for a season, right? And they kept doing it and doing it and doing it. But when this priest went in and made the offering of himself, this is Hebrews 10, but when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down. Do you know what that means? It is finished. Just read it. When this priest, the Christ, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sin, he sat down. Our vision, our message from God to us is so much better than Babylon. What if Babylon would have had, these are the woes, you're in trouble, this is coming, hey, I'll send a redeemer, I'll send a savior. They were, that was missing, theirs was missing that part. Our vision, our message from him is so much better. It's so much better. Well, what do we have to do with it? Great, he did. What do we have to do? Receive it. First John. Whoever hears all this stuff that I just said and actually believes it has life, he has crossed over from death to life. What is the wages of sin is death, but Christ died. And so if he died, then we can live over and over and over. This is what the runners have brought to you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever, 
would receive it, believe it and receive it, he has life. What have you done with that? I mean, how Babylonian are you? Because if we don't have the lamb who once for all took it away, who gets the cup? That's in the message too. All over the place. Without Jesus, somebody's paying. It is appointed once for a man to die and then face judgment. He will pay back each according to his deeds. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body. And that day is either going to be a great day or it's going to be a terrible day. And God included in our message the end result of a good day and a bad day. It's all over. What have you heard about heaven and hell? Outside of Hallmark. I know, Grandma's an angel. No, she isn't. What have you heard? Have you heard it's hot? Do you know where you get that idea? That's Luke 16. It's Lazarus and the rich man, and they die, and it doesn't go the way they think. The rich man goes to a place of torment, and he's the one who says, if you'll just take a finger and dip it in some water and put it on my tongue, that would be great. That's where we get those ideas. You may not know the reference of the story, but that's what you've heard. That's where it comes from. And Lazarus goes to Abraham's bosom. What's that? I don't know, but it's not hell. It's real. And he's told us. All that stuff about Book of life. Is your name written in that book and then a lake of fire? Have you heard that? It's in there. It's all in there. I had another one in my head rolling around, but I can't place it at the moment. There's lots of stuff in there. So, hey, if that day's coming, are you ready for that? Are you ready for that day? I mean, that is my question. I just want to make sure that you're aware. I'm just running the message to you. Kind of, kind of the message in summary, I want to run it to you again so you're aware. A couple of cautions. I think, I think you know, but there's, I, I don't know why you, I don't know why you wouldn't believe her. I don't know why you wouldn't grab a hold of that. I think there are some objections, I suppose, or there's some things going on. One, I think, is you're aware of all this, but to follow God, to believe, and then that means if I believe, then I'm in some way surrendering my life. Like, I don't get to do what I want to do anymore. Correct. And then that existence will be less fun than this one, so I'm going to wait. Okay. But don't trade it. Don't trade it. It's not boring. 
hey, the God we're talking about that did all this, he also invented sex. That was his idea. It's not boring. Okay, he's not boring. Everything he has for us is incredibly good. I mean, he thought of all of it. And if we use it the way in which he wants it done, it will ultimately bless us. It's where we get in trouble is when we take it and do it our, try to get more joy out of it than he designed his way and we think we know better, which is, really goes back to the garden, but I digress. It's not boring. So don't, don't use that as like, well, I can't do what I want. You're right, you can't. To believe is to surrender. You're not the boss anymore. Two would be, I've got time. I mean, I think maybe that was Babylon in some way. Like, wow, yeah, sure, you can say all that, but look around, man. Babylon is awesome. God's not knocking this down. Nobody can knock this down. And so, I don't know. I don't know. I know this, that in his message, he says repeatedly, you're a mist, you're a vapor, you're a mist, you're a vapor, life is short. He said that. So I don't know. If you have time. And I think the last one maybe has to do with this. Well, I hear what you have to say, but I'm not really that bad. Don't read the woes and go, I'm good. I didn't steal anything. I mean, I didn't steal much. I sure didn't ride off on a fast horse and take a, a woman <laughs> back to be mine. I didn't do that. I didn't, I didn't rob someone and build my house with their beams. And I sure didn't kill anybody. I'm good. That's a trap. That's a trap. For whatever reason, there's a fog there and we kind of live in it and it's a trap. Here's the message. I'll just summarize it quickly. These are these. The, here's the message that I'm running to you. These two mean this. No one will ever be right with God by what they do. That's the first one. No one will ever be right with God by what you do. And the second one is this. Because if you could be right with God by what you did, then the lamb, the Christ, died for nothing, but he died, so you need it. If righteousness were through the law, that means I'm not that bad. I mean, I follow most of it. Then Christ died for no purpose, but did he die? He most certainly did. All that gets erased. Last thing would just be this. Matthew chapter 7 talks a lot about people who thought they were good that weren't. Just read it. They see him on that day when the glory of the Lord is known to everybody. They see him on that day and they're like, Jesus, it's so glad to see you. I'm so, look at my life and all that I did, all these good deeds that I did for you and this great and finally we're here. And he just says, I never knew you. away from me. So, I, I'm just gonna, I just decided to put it to you as straight as I could put it because I wanna start some good conversation. Are you ready? Just put it at the bottom of your bulletin. Because I want some good conversation going. 
I want some good conversation. Maybe this is not good conversation for lunch, but it's necessary. Have the conversation. This has already sparked great conversation in our home. See, we get to live these messages way before you do. So that's blessing or a curse for my children because as I'm working out the sermon, they, they're the fodder right there. They get the first run at it. Last night, they told me, don't say it that way. Don't, if you say it that way, I'm not coming. <laughs> so I, I changed it up a little bit. But it doesn't, Hey, are you ready for that? And it all comes down to this. What have you done with the one? What have you done with the one? And listen, I, I fully get that for you to understand your sin, God has to make it aware. He, he has to make you aware. And if you're somewhere outside of this, and you just, uh, just ask him, God, make me aware cause me to know that I need this. So it's a yes or a no, you know you're not, or maybe you're not sure, and I also put a name for your name and your contact, and this is not to bug you, this is to help you. If you're really not sure and you don't really know what faith is or how to believe and all that kind of stuff, someone wants to walk you through it. And if, and if they say yes, make them say why, because I got a lot of yeses, but I want to know, okay, why? Well, because, you know, I haven't really done that much bad. No. Ask. So order the food or make the food. Sit down, but you, got, you can't throw away your bulletin. You have to take it with you and you have to ask. As a, yeah, you have to ask. Have the conversation. Why would we not? And I think we're supposed to because God revealed things to us like this in the book of Habakkuk. At least he does in chapter two. Because of this, I'll, I'll just end with where we started. Because of this. Because the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it, but it will surely come. Be ready. Let's pray. Lord, thanks for, thanks for revealing judgment even though it's not a lot of fun to go through thanks for revealing judgment and produce in people this awareness that they need it that they need what you have done he who has ears let him hear and i ask it in jesus name and everybody said